creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle! And the Leafs are moved again! Hello there. Welcome to the Nesson Bruins podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Logan Mullen, joined once again by Nesson.com's Mike Cole. No Lauren this week, so Mike, what's happening? Bonjour. Bonjour. Uh, that's actually about as much French as I know. Have you ever been to France? <sighs> Do I look like somebody who's been to France? Uh, no. I have been to, I mean, been, you've been to France. I have been what to France. I, I got engaged in like, France. Oh, my God. Um, but I could not speak a lick of French the entire time, so I was just walking around like a chucklehead. Have you ever been to France? Well, I have. <laughs> no, that's not what I was trying to do. You were the one that said bonjour. I guess they also speak French in Canada in certain parts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. We're already off the rails. So let's, I suppose it is my job to get things back on yes, track. Um, so we're about two weeks into the NHL season, effectively 10 days, right, of the Boston Bruins season for scheduling reasons that I still haven't entirely figured out. Uh, perhaps more perplexing than the scheduling would be finding them on TV at times when it's not on Nesson. Uh, neither here nor there, I suppose. So we will uh, catch up on a few storylines so far. Um, I, I guess the jumping off point for me, Mike, would be if I told you a week and a half ago that the Bruins' most uh, – impressive wins thus far would come against a undefeated Buffalo Sabres team and an undefeated San Jose Sharks team. Would you have believed me? <laughs> Definitely yeah. not on the Sabres part. Yeah. No, I would not. Well, that's a trick question. It feels like, cause I would not believe that either of those teams are undefeated, but right. I very much believe that the Bruins would beat them. Yes. Um, which I think kind of speaks to a bigger point is that we're two weeks into this, ridiculously scheduled season and i have no idea what the bruins are still like i don't have a much better feel which is it's hard to even get a feel because yeah, it's mean, been so it's inconsistent and it hasn't even been it's like an nfl team in the way it's been scheduled so like yeah you can't they haven't been able to build momentum or fall into any sort of rut because it's just a new season starting every time they drop the puck they have been able to log many injuries so it's been a Craig, scene, Craig Smith has missed a game already. He's going to miss two more this week. Nick Foligno's on injured reserve. Anton Bleed's hurt. I believe that covers it. But Jack sure. Stanika and Oscar Steen already are up. And Bruins are kind of piecing things together right now. Uh, I guess it's a uh, testament to the depth that they have, that even though that they've been running a little bit shorthanded and they have Tomas Nosek as their second-line <laughs> center now, they still – are a team that's by and large had a good bit of success. Um, banking points, baby. The banking points, that's what you've got to do. And apparently they're doing it against good Sabres and Sharks teams. Uh, maybe the best spot to jump off because you've already ridiculed me for my poor intro, so I'll ridicule you for a poor take. Jeremy Swayman, possibly in the doghouse. Uh, 6-3 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. Bruce Cassian seemed too happy about it. Two straight games now for Linus Olmark. He'll play a third. Wednesday against the Florida Panthers, and then Swayman gets back in net for what will be, what, about nine days? Against. Uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes. Who are? A very good team. Bingo. Florida Panthers, perhaps a better team? Maybe. No, a better team. offensive team. They've always been a better offensive team than the Hurricanes. By so the time that If you they, want to walk yourself into that By the time the puck can. drops on Wednesday for starters, the Panthers could be a team in shambles. They we could don't know be. that. I mean, That's true. There's axes about to fall over the NHL, so that's correct. Let's 
tap the brakes on all of your Panthers love until we find out just That's how true. much of a we, well, let's not get into that. Um, no, I well, first of all, you know, I mean, if we're gonna dump on him for the Philly game. That seems misguided because that was not a great performance by the Bruins whatsoever. No, that was bad altogether. Secondly, I think I've been proven right by the fact that you know they started the season with Swayman and he might have kicked Olmark in the ass. So now all of a sudden this guy realizes he's got to play for his job. Now you got two goalies who are playing well, competing for a number one job. I give all the credit in the world to Swayman. <laughs> that that is a spin. It is a spin. That is definitely no, a spin. I, I mean, it's a it's a rookie goalie. Like it's going to happen from time to time. Sure. I really, I actually don't think he was that bad in Philly. Bruce Cassidy, much smarter at a lot of things, but more so hockey than anything else. Uh, you know, if he doesn't like what he saw out of Swayman, that's fine. But I, I just felt like a lot, like a just this is a game you're going to lose type of situation, and that happens in an 82 game season. Um, I mean, that doesn't take away from the fact that he looked good in the other games he played. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, great. You, you paid Olmark to be a, a, a top-of-the-line goal, and he looked like it the last couple of games against bad competition. Uh, this is a big week for them, and big week for the team in general and big week for both the goalies. I do wish that we had access to the assistant coaches like they do in the, uh, in the NFL because Bruce Cassidy will say – in pretty simple terms, what he thinks of his goalie, but he almost always defers to goalie Bob. So I would be curious to see, like, when Swayman has a a clunker or a game where he could have been better and he gives up five goals, I'd be curious to think what Bob Asensa thinks I, before thing is, though, Bruce Cassidy. Like, I feel like goalie coaches probably just, like, they were terrible in front of him. Sure. Like, is that kind of – you know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know how that works. Like, I do pitching coaches throw their – Pitchers under the bus ever? I, I've never heard a pigeon coach cite FIP before. Yeah, so I don't know. I but I I agree with you. It would be interesting. Asenza, by the way, has been in that position since 2003. Yeah, it just feels like he's an advisor, around. like a nebulous advisor yeah. who doesn't even really work for the team. You, you never really see him either, yeah. unless he's on the bench, unless like the emergency the, backup goalie. Right. So who knows? Uh, but I agree. I I would actually because he gets Cassidy is very. I think it's just like a, a verbal tick at this point, how much he references Asenza, but he brings him up a ton, especially like when it gets towards the playoffs when they're talking about workload and things like that. Yeah. It's like, we'll talk to Bob and we'll go from there. But well, I agree. You don't want to speak out of turn. Like, I, well, like, it's there's such a only weird... so much they know, right? Like, Tortorella was really well known for that, that he basically would barely even talk the about art... his goalies because he and the whole line is like a good goalie will get you extended a bad goalie will get you fired and you know the art of goaltending is so atypical to like the rest of hockey like it's obviously an element of it but like yeah. if you spend your whole life as a skater like what can you really know about playing goalie at the highest level sure. so i understand like why you would defer yeah but. at least from the technical standpoint yeah there I are guess. times where like that you need to save there right and i've never disagreed with him most with most of his assessments cassie's assessments of like and this is a talk radio thing, but, like, at a certain point, you need your goalie to bail you out. And, like, that was my issue with Rask a lot, especially near the end of his first tenure. <laughs> Who knows if there will be a second where it's like, can you – I know it's uh, I know it's not great that you've got a two-on-one coming and you're on the power play, but, like, please just make that save there so we can continue on the power play. Sure. I, it's, it's interesting. I, I do find it fascinating how Cassidy hands, handles things like that. And yeah. I think he's, he's good at it. He is, yeah. I mean, he's a very, for somebody who's as candid as he is, he's a very polished speaker. Like, for someone who speaks very, 
extemporaneously. He doesn't really lead himself astray all that much. So credit to Bruce Cassidy for being a good speaker, which is something probably only you and me care about. This is, but like, that's what we get when they play four games in six weeks. Sure. So here's, we'll just pinball from yeah. talking point to talking point. So Bruins call up Oscar Steen and Jack Stadnika over the weekend. And I think a thing that was bothering a lot of people is the fact that Tomas Nosek was centering the second line while Jack Stadnika was on the fourth line. And an argument you have probably listened and read from me far too many times in your life, Mike, is that if you're going to have Stadnika up, he should be playing, at worst, a middle six role. He shouldn't be on the fourth line. He shouldn't be on a wing. Uh, they have him at center, credit to them, but playing a fourth-line role, yeah. which is not really what... Now we're getting in between takes when you start putting him in, like, the fourth-line center. Right, it's like, well, okay, like... crap, <laughs> yeah, which, which is more important to me. So it's good that he's playing center, but now they're reaching a point where Curtis Lazar could potentially be ready in time for Wednesday's game against Florida. So if Curtis Lazar is ready, then either Steen or Sudnika are sitting. In my opinion, if you're not going to put... Stadnika in a second or third line role centering, you might as well keep Oscar Steen in there because Lazar's going to the fourth line. But to me, there's no reason you couldn't do a, you know, Hall, Stadnika, Coyle second line, put Kuhlman on the third, sit Steen, and then go, what would it be? Frederick, Nosek, Lazar on the fourth line? I don't know. I just, Is that we're getting. That was the tweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was trying to rattle it off the top of my head. I actually wasn't looking Frederick at that. Frederick Nozick uh, Lazar on the fourth line. Yeah. Is that what you said? That is. Okay. Oh, I blacked out. Okay. Typical. Uh, but at, the, at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, if Jack Stanique is NHL ready, then you don't want to start mismanaging the asset by having him um, become a grinder. Yeah, what are we doing here, I guess, is what it comes down to. And this is uh, – it, it feels – like we've been down this road before with their younger players, right? And there's probably one I'm trying to remember that I can't think of now where they've messed around with center and then put them. But, like, uh, Ryan Spooner. That's right? what I was thinking of Spooner, yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, and that, that kind of speaks to what the player might be and is, right? Like, is he just not that good? It's hard to say. With Spooner, that might have been right. Sure, but like Dennis Danik is like fine. I guess put him there. I I don't know. I I know this is not a good answer. I'm kind of rambling, but like that's kind of where you're at with the amount of injuries you have right now, and just the the way that they built their bottom six to be fairly ambiguous. Um, it's it feels like there's a lot of moving parts. I would try it, sure. I guess for a game, but like yeah, I don't know. And the more I think about it, it's like, do I want him? Centering the fourth line at the NHL level or playing first line center in Providence? The latter for me. Yeah, I think I am too. I think that's where I, I've, I've, I've gone these uh, very circuitous route, but that's where I am with this, this discussion is that, I, yeah, I guess. But, like, I don't love him playing that second. I don't like where you've laid him out either. So I guess I'm team Providence here. Yeah, well, my thing is, like, if you're going to – I'm going to be swayed by how good – uh, Steen looked too. When, like, Steen that. looked fantastic the other day, and I was telling you this beforehand. People who watch prospects more closely than we do love Oscar Steen. Uh, so I would, I don't know, maybe we get Ryan Mujanel on here. We ask him about Oscar That's what Steen. I always say. Uh, th this podcast would probably be a lot better if we got <laughs> a, a AHL coach. But my thing is, like, if you're going to have Stadnika up, 
and there is a natural place where you could put them, which is somewhere on the second or third line, where you're not shoehorning them in. When everyone was healthy and Felino was there, and even when it looked like Lazar was going to be ready for the regular season and then he gets hurt in the last preseason game, it's like, okay, well, there's not really a natural fit for Jack Stanika unless you're moving a ton of pieces around to accommodate him. I'm not in favor of that. At that point, put him in Providence. Right now, you have, again, Tomas Nosek centering the second line. A fine player, to be sure, but you mean to tell me that it's more important to have him there than seeing what you have with Jack Stanika, whose career trajectory is probably someone who can be a second or third line center? Yeah. Related, what about Coyle in this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, you can put him on the wing, which is what they're doing, and... But it was... It's not even Halloween! But, but so... That's injury related. Though. I understand. It's not, it's not a break. Like, it's not a I, break okay. glass thing. So this is another roundabout way of answering your question or continuing the conversation. I don't want to move around Charlie Coyle. Like if he's going to be your second line center, the, we talked about this in the season preview, right? Like your clear path to success is a good second line center, Charlie Coyle. Sure. So why are we messing around with that already? Because Craig Smith is hurt. Understandable. So, so you then, have like, a, you have a whole. Then I guess film. I maybe would even try the stink, sneak on the wing thing again. Then met, like, yeah, and that's where it gets dicey because I think that like let me ask you this. Okay, so you have is there to, somebody else in Providence to come up play wing. I I knew you're being tested right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you basically have to think of it through the lens of like, okay, you need to replace a spot on the second line, and if you're not going to do the the Carson Coolman route. Again, like you were doing all 2019, yo-yoing between him and David Backus. Then, who are you putting there? And Charlie Coyle's a, a, a second-line center caliber player. So you're basically plugging in a hole somewhere. And it's like, okay, yeah, then I it's guess how it's, the guy or like if it's for a short term, it's not as big of a deal. But it just annoys me that like, I guess it's not even really their fault because the injuries. It's just like. Charlie Coyle is like the second line center. It's just weird. Like, in a similar situation, would you move David Krejci the way? No, probably not. But Which David Krejci had like, more of a stranglehold on the role. I right, and that speaks a lot about Coyle as a player. Is that maybe he's not, you know, a second line center in the NHL? But there's just only one way to find out. And I can't imagine moving him to the wing alongside Tomas Noshek is a great way to see what you have as, as a second line center there. Maybe not. I guess. Also, how much chemistry he's building with Taylor Hall when he's on the other side? Of the no, I, that I understand, and especially when Coyle's playing a different role, right? So it's not even like he's playing on an off wing or something like that. Like he's playing a completely different job. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's an imperfect situation, no matter what. But I feel like if you're going to disrupt your plan for somebody, and you're choosing between Coyle and Stadnika you're probably going to choose Coyle because you know what he is at this point. That is why I would guess that there's some reticence to uh, cause some upheaval in Jack Stadnika's path by being like, oh, well, congrats, you're a second-line winger now. Like they, they tried that. He broke camp last year as a winger in the top six, and he made it all of, what, three or four games Did before? Say, it was my, like, uh, maybe this isn't what he should be doing. In my mind's eye, I can just see him floating in the high slot above the – Space off circle, just like mindlessly skating around. And so. it's it's so weird, but a good problem to have that he looks so much better as a center than he does a winger. And 
know, it's obviously much more challenging to be a center. There's way more responsibility, but for whatever reason, that gets more out of him. So I guess that's another way to look at it is he's probably a bottom six winger, but he's a middle to top six center. I don't know. But it's just a lot of square pegs, round holes, all that nonsense. Uh, we, I, this, a lot of this comes back to referendum on the draft, but that's another <laughs> conversation for a different day. So. Yeah, I mean, they've got plenty of bottom six caliber players, right? It just depends on where you want to put the other pieces. Like, you can call up Cam Hughes tomorrow if you want, if, if you need a center. Now you're talking. <laughs> but I liked what I saw from Cam Hughes. But at this point, I think it is becoming clear – that the Bruins like what they see in Oscar Steen because he is now definitely on the short list of guys getting called up. He was good in the preseason. By all accounts, he was good in camp, and he looked fantastic against the Sharks. And that's another guy who is a natural center, but they have pretty much told him your path to the NHL is going to be on the wing now. Got to get that uh, Tomas Hurdle uh, domino to fall. Yeah, you, you might have to. So I, I guess we're probably allowed to uh, – talk about this here which is the fact that uh, i'm actually not sure if you saw this because we didn't text each other about this and it seems like something we probably should have but elliot friedman said on a radio show that he thinks the bruins sniffed around on eichel and he looks at it and goes well i don't know if there's uh, any way that they're going to be able to do that which is probably true at this point like i don't know what the assets are that you give up if you're the Bruins that gets something done. Um, but how far would you be willing to extend yourself at this point? Probably drain the, the highest end of your prospect pool, which is already thin, in order to get Jack Eichel, who will arrive in Boston and immediately get surgery. It depends how confident I am in my ability to do my job if I'm somebody like Don Sweeney. And <laughs> sure, it depends how confident I am in be- being able to keep my job. Yeah, I mean, that's not a trade that you make unless you know you have a crap load of job security. Or is it the other way around? Yeah, I mean. But if you don't have job security, you're not allowed to make that trade. That's the thing, right? You're not going to be able to. If you're, if you're on thin ice, and I'm not saying anybody. No. Clearly, nobody in that front office is on thin ice. But in a different situation, if you're on thin ice. And you're like, well, I need to make a move here to save myself. I would hope that somebody would step in and be like, you're not making that trade because you might be out on the street in a yeah. year. Mark Bergevin in Montreal is probably. Right, yeah. Um, what was the question? I How far are you willing to extend oh, yourself, right. Reichel? I For one, the I money would go, is pretty, a problem. What's that? Uh, the money's a problem. That's too. my issue. and that's Because otherwise, pretty damn far. Yeah. I, 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 you're definitely moving money out. In order to do that, like big money, so I don't you would, know. Like you could end up sucking this year if you make that trade, and you're like, "Well, we'll get him again next year, right?" And then that's a risk too, because who knows how healthy he's going to be when he comes well, back. Well, it's tough too because so Bergeron's contract's coming off the books this year, and if he decides to return, it'll obviously be on smaller money. But Eichel still makes what ten million, yeah. And so you're going to have to find a way to shoehorn that in. And I guess that's a very nice replacement if Patrice Bergeron decide. I mean, over the life of Jack Eichel's contract, Patrice Bergeron will eventually retire. So he would effectively become your replacement. And in the interim, he would be your second-line center, which all of a sudden you're talking about cooking with gas is Bergeron and Eichel up the middle uh, in your top six. But 
It's kind of like the Red Sox, where like Bloom has done a really good job of being like, if you win a World Series, great. But our goal here is to to be good for a long time. And like, if you make this move, this very hypothetical move, how does that upset you three years from now? And now you're just yeah. like, oh, I don't know. What well, so like, you're is, about is, to pay Charlie McAvoy nine and a half million too. So are you about so to go is, and your and Pasternak's contracts about? So it's like come trying on. to make one run at the most difficult championship in sports to win worth it to just completely mortgage your future. Because like, if you go out and get Jack Eichel and he's your top six is centered by Eichel and Bergeron, sure, that's that's great, but that's that is not a guarantee to win a Stanley Cup. Well, and I guess to, that's like. Managing scared too to an yeah. extent, but well, you have to draft better if you're going to do that deal, right? Because well, clearly, all, yeah. Well, because all of a sudden you've got, I mean, Pasternak will make ten million on his yeah. next deal. So then you you've got you would have basically in this hypothetical scenario, you've got thirty million tied up in your three star players. Uh, then you've got another six million in Marchand. And then all of a sudden you're doing, if I can do the math off the top of my head real quick, assuming the cap goes up, you've got, what, 40-something million to work with to fill out the margins, which you can do, but that job gets made a lot easier when you're drafting well and you've got a bunch of guys who are giving you a lot playing for 900000 You not only have to hit on every draft pick, you have to hit on every high and bloom type move where it's you need – you know, to find the right, you know, diamond in the rough. Which historically they have done okay with sure. free agent signings on short-term deals. Like, they've never had a problem signing bottom six guys. I mean, I guess it's also tough to say those don't work out. But the guys that they get for $2 million and less, they generally. I wonder how many ESPN Plus subscribers need to be added for the cap to go up a considerable amount. It's a good question. How much is ESPN Plus again? No idea. Yeah, I don't either. It's part of a bundle. <laughs> which, is like, which is a very roundabout way of saying I did not watch Friday night's <laughs> game. <laughs> I did. I had my own ways of finding the game and accessing it, uh, which I'm sure many other people probably did too. Um, but how many games do they have on ESPN Plus this year? It's Four. none for a while. but it, Four. Okay. I think the next one is it's January. Black Friday. Oh, is it Black Friday? I thought it wasn't again until, like, January or February. I'm pretty sure it's Black Friday. I could be wrong. I'll double-check uh, unless you feel on talk about something else. But No, I mean, I'm, I'm all about the, uh, the streaming aspect. I, it, it did seem like a lot of people were very bothered by that. And I, I understand that – I will say this about ESPN+. Plus. It basically replaced NHL TV. So if you have any level of interest in – watching teams other than the Bruins. It's very good because you can go back and watch replays too. And Mike, you sit right next to me in the office and you know I spend most of my days putting on random Minnesota Wild against, you know, the Los Angeles Kings games from the night before. So if you're like that, then it's worthwhile. And you get to see the Bruins whenever anybody else us in particular doesn't have it. Ricky this morning it's like it sounds good if you're going to watch a buttload of hockey. Yeah. If not. If not, then you might just have to sit there and be pissed off three more times this year. The next one is Friday, November 26th. That is indeed Black Friday. And then after that, there's not another one until January. I'm pretty sure yeah, there's four of them. Problem is, is so the one in January, well, it's not a big deal. Capitals. They play at St. Louis in April. 
And that game is also on ESPN Plus. That'd be a good game, maybe. Yeah, perhaps know. one with playoff implications yeah. too. So people might have no choice but to pay for that one if they want to see it. What do you think of the TNT? Uh, and what do you think is like just the new TV partners in general? This I think it's some I, dangerous water to wait. <laughs> I think it's fine. I would prefer if all 82 games plus the postseason were on Nesson. I'll, I'll start I with agree. that. Uh, I think it's fine. I've been uh, impressed with ESPN. I like ESPN. Maybe it's just the music. <laughs> you Probably are you music. are a sucker for not. I'm not sold on TNT. I know a lot of people are high on that studio show. I don't love it. It's eh. clunky. Yeah. Uh, I think TNT. You know, this is. I don't know. I'm I'm about to make a comment that's probably not true, but it feels like TNT is wading into very unfamiliar territory for themselves. Like they've got the NBA down, and when Turner gets baseball games, which none of those are on TNT, but when Turner gets baseball games, they're generally fine. Very it, the good. baseball in particular feels like a more simple broadcast to produce. Do, I, get, do they get credit for college basketball too? Because it doesn't. Sure, I guess that's but more that CBS. falls under the basketball. Yeah umbrella oh yeah true yeah. you know Same if they sport. can do the nba they can probably do college wow. basketball yeah. um but espn I, I don't even know if it's fair to say that they have a level of familiarity with this because it's been two decades since they last had hockey on their airways so how many people do you think are still at espn fair. that were running the show there like i feel like that is a relatively new area for this them. would be a good conversation to have with somebody inside this building where it's like if you produce live sports is it easy to produce all live sports or, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Cause like, is, it, is it like riding a bike? Because that's all ESPN does is produce live sports. It's different than TNT, which right. you know, syndicates Charmed. Yes. A fine show, to be sure, <laughs> at 6 a.m. But it's always on the next morning when you turn on the TV. Yep, it sure is. Um, I don't know. It's fine. I mean, you can tell they're all kind of working out some kinks. I, I think that some of the broadcasting combinations are a little... The Awkward? best one is uh, ESPN, I think. Or is that TNT? No, because TNT is basically NBC with new paint. Uh, it was a Darren Pang was doing a game, one of the Bruins games, I think, was some. I thought that was fine. Yeah. I I, the Sabres. Oh, one, Sean McDonough doing. I like Sean McDonough. Yep, so. I like Sean McDonough too. The the Sabres game the other day was uh, Ryan Callahan and John Butchergrass, which a lot of people really liked. I, that didn't do a whole lot for me. The The chemistry just seemed off. Um, and, and I don't want to sit here and bash guys. I was going to say, um, if you don't have anything nice to say. Don't say yeah, anything. which uh, overall, it was fine. People seemed to like it more than I did. But Well, I guess like the, if you're looking at it, like, I mean, it's, it should be good for hockey in the long term. And yeah. by virtue of that, as for a team like the Bruins that spends to the cap, it should be good for the Bruins. So. Yeah. That's one way to look at it. If you can't watch a game on Friday night because you're, you don't have ESPN Plus, it's like, well, maybe the cap goes up. The Bruins find a way to spend more money and spend it, it smartly. The fact that it's on two networks now, in addition to all the RSNs, is only a good thing because the likelihood of somebody now flipping to ESPN and stumbling upon a hockey game is higher than if they had to go all the way down their channel list and find NBC Sports. Um, or USA or whatever channel they were point. burying the NHL on in yep. the end. Um, so it, it's also too early to tell, right? Like they, it was the preseason for them too. So that's a good point. We're yeah. still only a couple weeks. Lot, into that. Yeah, that's fair. Even though it feels like we're two months in, but also two days in with the 
My my brain's broken with this. Plus, the, the baseball's been going the on. Baseball's the baseball's been going on. The Bruins' schedule's weird again, too, because they have a back-to-back this week. So they play Florida on yeah, Wednesday, right. Carolina on Thursday. They come home and play Florida again on Saturday. On Saturday and then they don't play again until Thursday <laughs> against Detroit. What are we doing here? Yeah, so and I think both of the second Florida game and Detroit are home games. So they're just going to be sitting around in Boston for – Five days. I was talking to Ricky Doyle about this this morning. It's like, let's just get back to Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. That's I know. where I'm at my most comfortable. I'm a creature of habit. Yeah. I just I, I get anxious when there's no structure. Agreed. Uh, that's probably a me thing. We don't have to sit here and unpack our anxieties. Uh, got any other thoughts? I think we sufficiently just talked about a little bit of everything for the last half an hour. Yeah, big week. Big week, yeah. We turned this into a big week. Well, I mean for the Bruins. <laughs> it is a big week for the Bruins. Uh, like, you know, some measuring stick games. I Playing two good, te- yep. two good teams in Florida and Carolina. Yep. And we'll reconvene before they play Detroit, but Detroit hasn't been that bad either. Sure. Um, so we'll have more time to talk about Pius Suter and Nick Letty and Tyler I Bertuzzi. can't wait. Yeah, I know you can. <laughs> Just, I'll refuse to sleep for the next week. Um, all right, well, that's Mike. Uh, I'm Logan. Maybe next week we'll have Lauren to keep us a bit more grounded so there's perhaps some more direction. This has been the Ness and Bruins podcast. If you did actually enjoy this podcast, please do uh, subscribe, give it five stars, leave a kind review, um, or or a mean one. I like when people are mean to me. I've got a weird thing about that. Uh, So we will see you next week, and uh, until next time, goodbye.